Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, uh, we've got some big questions of the day to address. Um, one question is, what do Donald Trump and Black Lives Matter have in common? Mm. I, I bet not many people could answer that quiz question. I don't think anyone could. But we're going to. We, collectively, you and I, are going to talk about that. Number two, guess what disgraced politician just can't stay out of politics? Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, wait, uh, hold on. No, no. Uh, and you probably think... Uh, it's, it's Donald Trump yeah, again. Yeah, of course. No, it's somebody else. So I'll reveal oh, the God. in just a moment. I'll give you a hint. Uh, if cancel culture is so his, powerful, why has nobody stay canceled? His initials are Andrew Cuomo. Oh, oh man, you I, blow it. Spoiler alert. And finally, how do you solve a problem? I should sing, but I'm not real good. How do you solve a problem like Miss Goldberg? That's pretty good. Well, it's okay. Uh, yeah. What to do with Whoopi is yes. the problem because she had some politically incorrect, some say heinous opinions, comments. We'll get to all three of those big topics. And we'll get to Guess the Verdict, America's favorite game show, where I give the facts of a case to Connor. He gets to guess who won or lost in court. And the tease here is it's a human drama at the 7-Eleven. That's the subject matter of Can't wait. the Guess the Verdict case. So before we get to the top story about what Trump and BLM have in common, um, you know, the title of the podcast, Connor, is, is Too Many Lawyers. and I, I That's true. Every once in a while, I think we need to talk about why did why did we pick such an oddball yeah. thing? And I'm not just you, because there are two of us, right? Right, exactly. Ooh, I, I, <laughs> no, that would be wrong. No. Self-loathing lawyers. Yeah. So I'm going to give you my take, and then you you are free for you to give yours on this issue. So okay. there was a controversy in Nevada uh, a while back where some fussy lawmakers, Connor, passed a rule against serving alcohol at gun ranges. Remember this deal? These. Wimps. Yeah. So so for those of uh, us who don't frequent the Parump Nevada Bar and Pistol Emporium, it sounds like a crazy idea. Guns, yeah. alcohol. I would not. I what would can not go, go wrong? Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? Go. Okay. No. But isn't that what we America's all about? do with lawyers? Oh. <laughs> lawyers are drunk with power, ah. metaphorically, and they have guns. Sure. Again, metaphorically, they have guns, but they're more dangerous than any firearm because legal proceedings can kill you and bankrupt you and destroy your mental and physical health. They're like COVID, okay? Yeah. You can try to protect yourself with a... But but a lawsuit can be like a breakthrough infection. Sure. If I a may beat the meta, metaphor into the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you're safe. You've right. bought insurance. You behave reasonably. No matter. Lawyers can sue you. Prosecutors can charge you. Insurance a target. Makes you a, a big, juicy target. Yeah, that's right. And prosecutors, evil prosecutors can charge you. They are just as irresponsible as the gun range denizen who has six shots of Jack Daniels in it. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. So we can solve the gun range problem by just banning the sale of alcohol at gun ranges. Right. But solving the drunk with power, lawyer, prosecutor, and judge problem is tougher. It means Shakespeare solved it in the 1600s. Yeah, that's totally true. doable. That's true. But it means making fundamental changes to our system, uh, changes that some on the political spectrum over to the left are not going to put up with. Right. For example, we could de deter frivolous suits by letting defendants who prevail 
collect attorney's fees, right. but we don't. Yeah, it's known as tort reform. It would revert right. us to sort of the the European... The British system. Uh, yeah, right. the British mm-hmm. system, as they, they call it, where, where the winner of the lawsuit collects the money for the lawyers, regardless uh, uh, of who, you know, filed the lawsuit. It's about winning the lawsuit that gets you right. your fees. Or we could deter frivolous suits by letting the defendants who prevail file malicious prosecution cases. But we don't. We make that almost really impossible. Yeah, really All you hard. have to do is say, well, Bert, my attorney said it was okay. Yeah. Oh, well, then you can go. So to the contrary, the left wants to make lawyers available to people for free, Connor. I don't know if you've read about this, mm-hmm. but this is an idea. Civil Gideon. Gee, what can go wrong with so that? So Gideon Every... versus Wainwright is everybody gets a public mm-hmm. defender. Sure. So civil. Right. Yeah. So some so people civil say, Gideon. dunk on it. You know, right. lawyers aren't just for rich folks. Absolutely. Not everybody have a free lawyer. Everybody yeah. gets to sue anybody for anything. Full employment for all lawyers forever. Yay. So why would we need to do that? I mean, already people who claim they were injured have lawyers falling all over themselves to represent them for free. Right. No hourly fee. No, just a deal where when the plaintiff wins, um, you know, the plaintiff will share 30 to 50 percent of the money with the lawyer. The system encourages frivolous suits, especially when combined. Well, yeah, but capitalism encourages frivolous creation of uh, of you know, products, widgets that nobody needs. Well, it doesn't matter. Fridges, like, jobs, those aren't frivolous. Absolutely. Jobs and are important. Absolutely. And so does the, the you know, system of plaintiff's lawyers collecting money also encourages yeah. lots of jobs. Yeah, but there's a, penalty, and there's a penalty for pursuing crazy litigation. There mm-hmm. should be. Yeah. There should also be a penalty in the market system for pursuing crazy things under the name of capitalism. Yeah. And there is a penalty. People vote with their feet. The market system works. People don't buy widgets that don't work. Sure. So, I mean, the bottom line is some people want to make the situation even worse, I think, by using tax dollars to pay for lawyers who work for people for free. So that's my rant. Yeah. But my rant about what too many lawyers mean. So you should feel free to give your take on the off chance that you have any slightly different. Slightly different. I mean, look, I recognize that there is a lot of litigation out there and that a lot of it is frivolous and that there are risks to people, especially who have a lot of money to be you know, harmed by uh, these lawsuits uh, that are coming after them. I think, though, that it's a very, very, very important part of our process to have the kind of private attorney general type, well, individuals out there getting harmed. Uh, if, if the Scheinhardt Wig Company is putting uh, chemicals into the water and turning the children orange, it's very important that they have recourse. If the EPA is in a decade going to get around to issuing an advisory... Is Baron Trump already orange? <laughs> Good question. Uh, ad- issuing an advisory opinion uh, that says you probably shouldn't che- uh, turn children orange, which will cause, of course, a massive backlash and lobbying push uh, to talk about how healthy it is to be orange as a child uh, because the wig industry uh, is so powerful and gives so much money to politicians. Th- there's no recourse for people uh, to, to get things done, especially in a timely manner, uh, through the political system. System. That's the, a lot of people's view. And their view is, well, the courts get stuff done. The courts get Aaron Brockovich style lawsuits where kids get turned orange or given cancer or whatever. They get the money. And yeah, you see a lot of commercials uh, for for, you know, mesothelioma uh, lawyers who are trying to, you know, get you to call them up. If you had a great uncle who was once uh, sneezed on by someone who was exposed to asbestos in 1952, and they're going to get you into a class action. And it seems all pretty frivolous and silly. But maybe that's the cost of people getting who get cancer from toxic tort exposure, for example. If that's the cost of them being made whole, then maybe that's a cost that our society has clearly decided or uh, allowed to, to happen around them that they're willing to pay. I mean, this is 
everything has costs. Everything has trade-offs. If you make it easier to file lawsuits, more victims will get paid back. If you make it harder to file lawsuits, fewer will get paid back. But there will be externalities yeah, associated with point. frivolous lawsuits some going of, out. Some of us, though, yeah, we, we don't sue at the drop of a hat. Let me give you a personal example, sure. Connor. Mm-hmm. In 1973 yeah. or thereabouts, I was living in the dormitory at UCLA. Uh-huh. And, uh, back then, uh, they had a two-inch thick coating of the ceiling of every dorm room with asbestos. Ooh, nice. Yeah, we didn't, you know, didn't have a lot of bad publicity about it back then. And guys would, you know, they'd kick the soccer ball around. Right. So you'd be sleeping, you know, lying there snoring, uh-huh. but like a buzzsaw, your mouth wide open, and little tufts of asbestos would fall down <laughs> from the ceiling because the soccer ball had sure. fall into your throat. Sure. We didn't just run off and start filing lawsuits yeah. against Owen, Owens Corning. Those people are job creators. I'm glad that you didn't get messed up. I was coughing my I'm lung up right. about two years later, but yeah. you know, I'm not, I've got things to do other yeah. than file lawsuits. You're a busy guy. You know, I would say that's that, a true story. That's yeah. exactly what happened. It's horrifying. A few, a few years later, they, they cleaned it up. I, I, but I, but in 73, yeah. asbestos was okay. <laughs> it was on the good list. Hey, nobody burned up in a fire. It's very fireproof. That's, that's good true. stuff. That's I very didn't good think stuff. of that. So yeah, I was we, coughing up my lung. Thank your ha- lucky asbestos best of stars. Look, there is there are two sides to each one of these coins. These are big debates about policy. These are big debates about how our society looks and how people get recourse when people are harmed. The famous McDonald's hot coffee case, the poster child case, that story was pumped out and reprinted and rediscussed on talk shows and lampooned and made the butt of jokes for decades and still is the butt of jokes. It's the ultimate example of tort reform, this silly lawsuit where a woman didn't deserve millions of dollars, but she got it just because her coffee was hot. Everybody wants their coffee to be hot. What is this uh, country coming to? And the real answer is she was horribly burned. She was really, really, really badly burned because of a company policy that McDonald's knew they were engaging in in order to get people incredibly hot coffee because that's what the customer wanted even though it was very dangerous they used extremely flimsy cups that they expect you to take off in a dangerous way yeah, they actually and had then, internal studies that showed that people like it better and buy more coffee if dangerous it's super, temperatures at, at dangerous temperatures and they've right. been they'd gotten thousands and thousands of complaints of injuries where they said Look, just turn the temperature on the machine down. There's a button. There's a dial. Just turn it down to the safe level. That's all you got to do to prevent people from getting hurt. Stella Lembeck was the little old lady. Yeah, we think we can sell 10% more coffee if we don't do that. And that's millions of dollars. She should should have gotten a big uh, verdict there. But I think half of it should come off just for her being clumsy. Ah, that's part of it. Because she put it, she set it there in her crotch. That's true. And then she squeezed her legs together. And the next thing you know, we're all talking about her crotch 20 years later. I mean, that's what proportion, comparative of liability is all about. In California, unlike in other states, is some inside baseball nonsense. But some states, if you're 1% liable, boom, you're on the hook for all the money. So mm-hmm. if McDonald's had been even 1% negligent in cooking yeah, up too high Contributory negligence. Then, right. yeah, you get that 1% in there. That's contributory negligence. In California, however, every state is different. In California, we are a comparative negligence state. So if one party's 50% liable and 50% responsible, they pay 50% of the damages, which is, I think, a pretty good system. So final topic before we get to our top story about Donald Trump and Black Lives Matter. Uh, What's the deal with uh, former progressive Bill Maher? He said this last week, quote, it's not my fault that the party of FDR and JFK is turning into the party of LOL and WTF. 
Only a professional comedian could, could have come, come up, up with, with a such line incisive, like cutting humor. So then Bill Maher lists some moves from the left that he thought were easy to criticize, including Representative Ayanna Presley, Democrat of Massachusetts, calling for rent and mortgage to be canceled. Representative Rashida Tlaib, a Democrat of Michigan, demanding an end to policing and incarceration. Uh-huh. And finally, Representative Jamal Bowman of New York, Democrat, did I mention Democrat? Right. Declaring that capitalism is slavery. Now, should we just ignore Bill Maher? He continued, he said, canceling Lincoln and Dr. Seuss, teaching kids they're oppressors and math is racist, making Mr. Potato Head gender neutral, and now an emoji for pregnant men. Mm-hmm. He was on a, a roll in his rant. Yeah. Aren't you willing to, to just have an open mind as a fellow progressive? Because he's very progressive, about nine issues out of ten. Uh, don't you think maybe he's he's on to something? No. 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 Bill Maher may have podcast. been a progressive. You have to say more than no. Yeah, okay. Bill Maher may have been a progressive 30 years ago. He might have been left of Reagan, but that doesn't make him a liberal. It doesn't certainly doesn't make him a leftist. It certainly doesn't make him a progressive. Somebody who's constantly arguing for maintenance of the status quo and lampooning people who are trying to make the world better in ways that I personally think are often a good idea. Things like, yeah, abolish police, literally abolish police and prison. They shouldn't exist. They're bad systems. They would do more harm than good. We'd be better off without them. Well, we'd These are some big substitute disruptive. that resembles in some small way the current system of, maybe. of law enforcement and incarceration. Maybe. Wouldn't, wouldn't we need a little bit? Well, maybe we would need yeah. some. But guess what? We could have a conversation about that. We could talk about how We're many doing cops, it right now. How many cops do you need on every corner? Do you need a cop on every corner? Do you need a cop on every fifth corner? Do you need a cop I, on every hundredth corner? Ideally, do you need four? Because the corner has the four. That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't done the math on that one, but you broke it down. Thank you. So these are the questions we want to have. Instead, you have somebody like Bill Maher sitting on the the marble plinth of his show that he still has, even though no one cares. I was going to say nobody watches. I think a lot of people do watch it. And by the way, if we can have two... Starbucks per intersection, we can have four cops That's per a good intersection. Point. Absolutely. And they need coffee. Yeah. When we come back, what do Donald Trump and Black Lives Matter have in common? Uh, but first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on uh, any podcast platform you like. We're on all of them. Apple Podcasts is the big one. And while you're there, as you download the episode, make sure to click the uh, join or the like or the subscribe, depending on the platform, buttons to make sure you get the episodes every week. And leave us a little comment. It helps. We enjoy them every single time I read it. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So our top story today, now that we've gotten through the underbrush, which was fun. It was fun (laughs) underbrush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The top story is what the heck do Donald Trump and Black Lives Matter have in common? Now, this may be a a bit of a a brain teaser, but Trump was in the news recently, of course, with with yet yet another maniacal uh, position. He's basically going to pardon all the January 6th rioters. Yeah, great. Uh, He's saying, oh, you know, these people, they're being treated very unfairly. And so, yeah, I'm president again. We're just going to issue pardons. Oh, my God. So that causes people to say, "Ah, Trump, does he... Does he have a monopoly on evil? And, and let me make the, the case f- that he doesn't have a monopoly. I think extremists share a trait. And the trait is that power is all, all that matters. If you need to trample on values like fairness and justice and truth and security, you do it without hesitation because you are an extremist. That's what Donald Trump does. 
violence, deceit, theft. It's okay. Just win, baby. And so Trump will pardon people. Uh, you know, they were doing nothing wrong because they were trying to help him. And, you know, he incites violence. Uh, he wants huge protests. If New York indicts him or D.C. or Atlanta, he wants people to take to the streets. He's saying massive rallies in those cities will be held to protest any legal action against him. And that's exactly what happened with January 6th. He wanted those people to march yeah. to intimidate. I don't really think he knew that they were going to break windows and kill people. Trump? Uh, when he, I mean, yeah, Trump didn't. It, I don't think he expected that to happen. I think when it happened, he did nothing to stop them. Yeah, there I mean, were hours when people are begging his own daughter, right. and Kellyanne Conway, and, and Sean Hannity are saying, "Get the word out, tell those people to go." Home. And he didn't yeah. do it for hours. New so, York Times has been reporting this week, though, that Giuliani and Trump were personally and specifically involved in plans to seize voting machines after the election, and that those plans incorporated the January sixth Mike Pence thing that Trump has been saying publicly in rallies that Trump, you know, would still be president if Pence had just stood up and right. done the right so thing. Et cetera, et cetera. I was it's giving, all the big lie. So January the 6th of the is doubt. the big lie thing. And I think there's very good evidence that actually he did intend you may be right let's assume let's assume you're right harm people it's just that that doesn't uh, uh, affect my thesis about shared extremism let's say he's even worse than i was making him out to be yes uh so the rules to him regarding elections and criminal proceedings they don't matter only his power matters well guess what he has a four-word slogan uh, make America great again, right? Yeah. I say the forward slogan of Black Lives Matter is just as bad. And that slogan is no justice, no peace. Isn't that the essence of Donald Trump's position? And so aren't those on the left to say no justice, no peace? Aren't they just like Donald Trump? Because when BLM looked at the rioting that accompanied the, the peaceful George Floyd protests and they said, hey, no justice, no peace. Don't prosecute those social warriors who now have new blenders, who rioted and who, who set fires and so on. And what happened during those summertime riots? You know, we, we, you go on Fox News and the right wing press. We know 18 deaths, hundreds of injuries, two billion in property damage, looting arson. How big is two billion dollars? I looked it up. The Rodney King riots in 1992 in Los Angeles. If you if you compare in today's dollars, only one point four billion in damages. The, the George Floyd. Uh, looting and riots were were way above that at $2 billion. You remember Sister Soldier during the 1992 Bill Clinton, George Bush election? She I was an activist. I don't. I was three, but I hear you. Okay. So she was an activist. And regarding the Rodney King riots, she said, if black people kill black people every day, why not have a week and kill white people? Now, Clinton criticized that comment to his credit. Uh, he criticized the fact that Jesse Jackson let her be on his rainbow coalition. But not everybody did. And no justice, no peace, I think, could be Trump's campaign slogan, replacing MAGA. It's exactly you know, what he's saying in terms of, the again, the possible prosecution. So yes. I hope somebody, if you can explain to me the difference between yeah, I'll explain Trump's to you. no justice, I'll, no I'll peace, exp- and I'll BLM, explain it to fire you away. Right now, it's yeah. very straightforward, very, very simple. In the same way that if uh, there's a difference between you looking at me and saying, Connor, you're guilty of murder, and you looking at Charles Manson and saying, Charles Manson, you're guilty of murder. One is based on lies and one is not. One is actually a movement for justice. And the threat is that there will not be peace until there is justice. That is very straightforward. MAGA, or if if Trump were to adopt the concept of no justice, no peace, and were to try to co-opt it and use it, that would be a, a system, a, a, a movement based on lies. Right. It would be saying, 
I want something that is justice, but that's not really going to be just. It's going to be uh, power for me and my family and my cronies. I'm going to make my uh, daughter uh, secretary of state. Uh, I'm going to steal money from the U.S. Treasury. Uh, I'm going to give huge tax cuts to billionaire my billionaire friends. Um, I'm going to evade uh, prosecution for my financial crimes that I'm uh, that I've con- uh, uh, committed. Um, there's nothing just about what Donald Trump. It wants, nor is there truly anything just about what his supporters, the MAGA heads, want. They don't want justice. They want maintenance of the status quo. They want largely white supremacy, uh, unfettered capitalism that enriches uh, the the top five percent of uh, humanity, uh, white people, hence white supremacy built into this. That's not justice. That's the difference. And to, to equivocate them and to say, well, just because both of them want change or something in the world, one doesn't even want change, one just wants maintenance of the status quo, which is very unquo, very unfair, and the other wants actual substantive progressive change to make the world a better place. If you look at both of them and you say, well, we have two groups of people here and they both want something, therefore they're identical. Yeah, well, if you want to get that abstract, sure. But what's the point? Why take all the teeth out of every concept that anyone on either side is saying? And why stop examining the truth or falsity of any statements anyone makes and just say, well, we're in the the post-truth era and therefore anyone can say and do anything. And just if they say the word justice, then they mean that they're on the side of justice. And basically Trump and MAGA and Nazis and hippies are all on the same side. Well, no, I hear you. And certainly, just to take the American Revolution as an example... There's an argument for saying, well, if there's no justice here, then there's going to be no peace. If, you, if G- King George, you're going to beat up on us and take all our money, right. then doggone it, we're going to start killing folks and yeah. we're going to start taking over. So in some circumstances, it's justified. Right. But the question is whether we have anything like that here in America. I, I think, you know, the problem is the, the threat, the no justice, no peace, the, we're going to we're going to shove you around. That's the hallmark of dictators around the world. It's kind of been the way life has been as long as man has walked the earth. That's what made the Enlightenment in the 1700s so special, the the social contract, the notion of Republican government, the idea that we can fire bad leaders. And then we came up with this amazing constitutional framework with checks and balances, which is the antithesis of dictatorship. It's rejected by extremists because they want power. Politicians lose control lose power when they displease the voters and you know extremist dictators don't want to lose power they're unwilling to play by the rules because it deprives them of their power every once in a while so yeah I agree if you absolutely sincerely feel that the system is so broken that it's kind of like uh, 1774, mm-hmm. 1775, let's, yeah. let's go for it. But I don't think that many people in America but feel neither that, I nor Black, that, that this is the Spanish Inquisition and neither or it's King I, George. Nor, nor the, neither I nor Black Lives Matter is advocating for another civil war. Actually, MAGA people are advocating for another civil war. When Black Lives Matter's activists say no justice, no peace, they're not talking about setting up a gallows outside the U.S. Capitol, like the MAGA people who stormed the Capitol were saying. They're saying, well, nobody I'm hung to, uh, Mike Pence, but a lot of people died in, in the riots. It, look, they absolutely intended to go hang Mike Pence. They were chanting, There were maniacs in there, Mike you're right. Pence. Absolutely. And on the other side, Black Lives Matter's activists largely... Uh, threw back smoke grenades at the cops, shouted a lot, carried signs, and said things like, stop murdering black people just for being black. 
That's what Black Lives Matter was. Now, in a large movement of a lot of people out in the streets doing things, interacting with the police, driving vehicles, the people are going to get hurt. Nobody wanted those people to get hurt, unlike the people shouting, hang Mike Pence, who wanted Mike Pence to literally die. This is pretty die. cool. We were able to... St- stormed the Capitol, trying to get in and kill AOC. The people who literally uh, orchestrated with the the members of the Capitol Police, who uh, whoever, somebody, uh, removed, for example, the panic button from uh, one of prominent conservative senators' uh, offices so that she couldn't call for help in the event uh, that she was in physical danger. Like, these are real, tangible steps taken to try to overthrow yeah, the U.S. Unfortunately, they're being prosecuted. On the other side, you have a bunch of people linking arms and singing and chanting and saying, look, stop uh, committing acts of police brutality and then getting away with it. We want to change the world for for the better. So yeah, if we want to abstract, back out and say how many people died in this. I don't have the statistics to say whether 18 people dying over the course of uh, June 2020 uh, were all connected to Black Lives Matter's protests, who they were the fault of, whether they were people who fell and, and hit their heads, or whether they were somehow the result of being punched by a uh, by a cop or punching a cop. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but I know what the intention is. The intention is very different between, uh, I'm going to smash the window of this CVS because society is fundamentally broken and no one's listening to me, as opposed to hang Mike Pence. Well, that's the great thing about this podcast. We've to- reached total consensus, <laughs> yeah, total yeah. agreement. It's true. It's true. You know, slight variations slight, in, slight our, in our position. Slight variations. Topic two, Connor. Um, Andrew Cuomo. Guess, guess what? He's a disgraced politician who yes. just can't stay out of politics. And that phrase, and we a all lot of people <laughs> would say, oh, that's Donald Trump. No. Right. Right now, we're talking about Andrew Cuomo. He's thinking about running for attorney general in New York against the woman who is pursuing him, who hounded him out of office. Uh, Honestly, he, I, I'm baffled. Letitia James concluded that he sexually harassed 11 women, and she was key. And now he's who? he's strategizing. He had, he, had two, he had a two-hour lunch with new Mayor uh, Adams Eric in Adams, New York yeah. City. Eric Adams. Yeah, another I mean, he's back He's back in the ballgame. He was, he was in a, a private room at an Italian restaurant in Manhattan. The question in my mind ball. is, who is his demo? Who, Democrats don't like him. Republicans don't like him. He's got who 16 he million think? bucks in the bank as a, as a slush fund to pay for his comeback. So whoever isn't in his demo now, he's going to buy their votes. I mean, this $16 million in a slush fund for campaign. I mean, that's just, I have to hand this $16 million out to my friends, family, associates, <laughs> hire them for campaign. It lose massively, complete failure, spectacular, but it's a complete grift. He just have to has to escape the tax man and be able to give, those, give that money out to people he likes. And the fun fact is Guaranteed. that other disgraced New York politicians also tried comebacks. I'm thinking of Governor Elliot Spitzer sure. and Representative Anthony Weiner. Yeah. They both campaigned for office in New York City after they resigned amid sure. sex scandals. Man, I wonder if Anthony Weiner would have, uh, how much flack he'd be getting these days. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, cheating on his wife, I believe. I believe he was married, right? That That's a big negative. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the assistant to Hillary Clinton is his wife. Sure. Uh, 
So he would, I'm sure, get a lot of flack for that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, besides that, it was just an affair, right? It, was, it wasn't like he, she was underage or anything. So, you know, it it's, it's hardly seems like it's on the same level as, as a, a supervisor uh, like Andrew Cuomo uh, abusing his position of power as the, you know, the, the, the governor uh, to harass people who are in his employ. I mean, that's a whole different world. I mean, how can he think he could come back from this? It's just baffling. Yep. It's a bit baffling. When we come back, uh, what to do with Whoopi Goldberg? Mm. Uh, We'll be right back with Too Many Lawyers. So, Connor, a huge controversy about Whoopi Goldberg. She was on The View. She said the Holocaust did not involve race. It was some white guys, Nazis, uh, killing some other white guys. Jews. Now that triggered a debate, a healthy debate, right? Was it a racial issue? The Nazis considered themselves the master race, right? So why should skin color be the sole criterion for race? There's an LA Times op-ed by Jonathan Wieson. He's a college history professor. He Hmm. argued Whoopi was both right and wrong. He said race does usually refer to color of skin, but not always. So does the fact that maybe she was a little right and a little wrong mean she should not have been suspended? Or were her comments so insane sensitive. I mean, I, to me, she's she's basically on the same wavelength as Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle got into a lot of trouble with his uh, special called The Closer about three months ago, where he said to the LGBTQ uh, community, huh, you think you've been victims. Don't talk to me about being a victim. Let me tell you about the experience of, of, of black people in American history. Right. And it's kind of what Whoopi was saying, oh, you know, the Holocaust, you know, white folks going after white folks. Don't Don't talk to me, Whoopi, about racism and oppression. Like, I don't even know if that's what uh, what she was really saying. I I, I don't see what she was saying even as minimizing. And that's the big difference there is uh, Chappelle's obviously wrong because playing this game of who is the bigger victim uh, is almost exclusively used as a tool to minimize the suffering of others, to say your suffering doesn't matter because I or, you know, my family or my ancestors or whatever suffered uh, more in the past than you did. And therefore, yours is irrelevant. You're really just changing the subject. You're really just saying my family and I have uh, suffered, which may well be 100 percent true. Yeah. But the issue is not you. You're suffering. The issue is what we're talking about here. Basically, it's ba- it's like the concept of, of Black Lives Matter and people responding and saying, well, all lives matter. Yes, but we're not talking about that right now. What we're talking about right now is this thing that's here in the room. But I don't see that that was the mistake that will be made. In my mind, the mistake that will be made, and it was a mistake, is to wade into a complicated, nuanced uh, topic of conversation that she didn't really understand deeply, had not written, read about, studied, talked about, you know, deeply with experts in the field beforehand. And this is the problem with... Yeah, I I think few uh, comedians have uh, written doctoral theses on the Holocaust. Right. If you're going to be on a show like The View... In the morning on, I don't know, ABC or whatever, you probably want to keep it light. You probably want to talk about some stuff that people what, do you might have be- a job or something. You don't know what channel and what time uh, views on. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is the to. I, I just I, I watch every day. I'm totally uh, religious about it. Uh, not Jewish, but religious about it. Uh, and I'll say it. Uh, it just slipped my mind. No, she she made a mistake because she tried to wade into a topic that she didn't uh, sort of think out and plan 
And when you think out and plan, if, if she had really known that they were going to talk about this concept, right, if she was if she had really known ahead of time, a week ahead of time, if somebody had said to her, hey, uh, tomorrow on The View, we're going to talk about Jewish issues. We're going to talk about uh, the, the uh, debatable state of Palestine. We're going to talk about uh, the Holocaust. We're going to talk about uh, various other pogroms that have been committed uh, uh, across uh, human history. She might have said, maybe I'm going to talk to an expert uh, about this <laughs> stuff before I yeah. weighed in with my. Uh, half-cocked opinion about what is and what isn't or what wasn't about race. Well, she has one notion of race. I'm not going to tell her, Whoopi Goldberg, that her concept of race is wrong because people can have different thoughts about race. That's okay. I'm certainly not the arbiter of what is and isn't about race. What does that phrase even mean? Was the Holocaust about race? Look, Experts in the field have made very good arguments over the last 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, pointing out, yes, the Holocaust was about race in many meaningful ways. That obviously whiteness is only one aspect of race. Obviously, Jews are and have been persecuted for not being white, but whiteness is a construct, and sometimes Jews are white in given a given context and space and time and country and location. Yeah, in the usually, country. but not always. Yeah, absolutely. the The notion of whiteness is a very flexible, malleable concept. Well, Go I, to the Philippines, and they have a concept of whiteness that is different than ours. Go to South America. Go to whatever. It's about the haves and the have-nots. It's about historical oppression. It's about economic economic power. It's about political power. I agree These with are you. What, you know, what is about race. And so obviously uh, the, the Nazis in, in you know, 1930s and 40s Germany rounding up undesirable people and putting them you know, to death is about race in many ways. It's also about economics. It's also about geopolitics. It's about lots of things. But to, to wade in and say, oh, race is only my conception of race. Race is only the fact that black people were slaves in America, which is probably largely where Whoopi Goldberg is coming from, because it's where most Americans come from, right? That's where most people think, like, what are racial issues? Well, black people were treated terribly in this country. Well, there's a lot of racial groups that were treated terribly in this country. What about Native Americans? What about Hispanic people? Latinx people? How about what about Asian people? What about all these hor- groups that have been horribly oppressed in the past? And what about various groups of white people? Sure, whatever. These are all racial issues because race is a made-up concept. It's this nonsense phrase that we use to put a huge blanket statement on top of who has it and who doesn't, who's rich and who's not, who's got opportunity in political and economic power and who doesn't. And to, to try to say, well, this isn't about race. If you ever think something isn't about race, you're probably wrong. Well, it's going to be awfully hard to erase the concept of no, race from gonna... national conversation. Yeah, you are. But, it's but I agree with your basic point. I think she goes outside of her lane when she starts talking about the Holocaust. On the other hand, and if, it's she, okay wants, to go outside your if lane. she wants to talk cold fusion or global warming, I want to hear yeah, what yeah, she has yeah. to say. Maybe bring in an expert to be on The View and you could be like, hey, what's yeah. your thought that about global warming? That would be a first. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. All right. It's time for Guess the Verdict. Connor, Can't are you Can't psyched wait. up for yeah, this? always. If, if Connor gets it right, he's going to get a bell. Oh, man. I want that bell so bad. Well, all right. So here it is. America's favorite game show. I'm going to give you the facts of a uh, Houston uh, criminal case and you get to guess the outcome. Okay? okay, ready. A clerk at a Houston convenience store is approached by five underage gang members wanting to buy beer. 
all of them, underage and gang members and thirsty. I wonder if they like, brought their like gang member ID cards so Kavanaugh. that everybody knew. Could but be. sure. Okay. So the clerk says, no, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to sell you the This beers. sounds like a bunch of kids, but sure. Yeah. Right. Well, they're underage. They're underage. So they do steal some beer after he refuses to sell them Stella. A reasonable response. Yeah. And they also steal some chewing gum. And then they well, leave. that one seems and then unnecessary. And then they leave. So you figure, well, that's the end of the story, right? Yeah. No, not oh. the end of the story. The clerk grabs a baseball bat because oh, you've no. either got a, some, you know, a magnum force uh, pistol or a yeah. baseball bat <laughs> under the counter. And he yeah. gets the baseball bat. He chases them into the parking lot mm-hmm. where they've still got the gum and the beer, sure. or at least some of it. Yeah. And they beat the hell out of him. Sure. He sues the store, claiming the employer knew about gang activity in the area, but didn't bother to tell the clerk about yeah. it. Yeah. Sues the store. Connor, who uh, wins this big legal battle? Well, the answer here is the juries aren't supposed to know that the reason he sells the, sues the store and not the kids is because the store is the company, that ha- a big company that has a corporate insurance policy, and that's where the money is. He obviously should sue the individuals who beat him up because when you get in a fight, a physical alteration, the person who's doing the beating up is the one They may be in Barbados. Right. That's, who knows? These uh, young toughs uh, uh, who, who beat him up um, were facing down a guy who was wielding a baseball bat. Mm. So he escalated this situation uh, to use of a deadly weapon, baseball bat, against people who were, in the story, it appears, unarmed. So if I were in this situation, I would say that, uh, you know, you're not the, the proper person and not in the proper time and place uh, to be uh, exercising the the monopoly over the use of physical force in this jurisdiction. We currently, until we abolish them, have cops for that. So I'm going to say the guy loses uh, because, uh, you know, you can't be attacking people with a baseball bat, even if they did steal some gum. Well, you're close. He won. Oh, he won. First of all, they awarded a million dollars. They said that was the nature of the damage. But then they said, you know what? He was somewhat negligent. So they lopped. 25% 25% off. So Comparative got, negligence. Exactly. It was full circle in the podcast. Yeah. He ended up walking away with $750,000 and a major headache from the beating. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you were you were close to being right, except that you I'll were have on, to on song, just think song. about that bell all week. <laughs> And just, well, I'm going to get, get, get it back. Don't give it. I didn't deserve it. Okay. I didn't deserve it. Don't just, you dare. I'm just going to give you the bell just for I fun. Maybe it. next week everyone will hear it. And speaking of next week, that's when we'll see all of you. Have a great week. And I hope your team, uh, favorite team wins on Sunday. So long. Bye.